Hey, great to have you with us this morning. Here's a couple of other quick things that are reasonably important. Pastor James is down at Boyne Island, down at the beachside suburbs this morning, uh, preaching down there, so if you're wondering where he is. And just an update on our COVID. Um, you may have heard that they've changed the COVID restrictions, so you no longer have to be four metres square around you. You can chop your pool noodle in half and be 2.5 but I'm not good at maths. I think they might have two departments that don't talk to each other in the Queensland government because you still have to be 1.5 metres apart. It doesn't matter how much you've got around you. So we can't change the seating in the church. Technically, we could have gone from 140 to double that, 280. But if you've got to be 1.5 apart, that's why we're still set up like we are. So just so you're aware of that, we're not being mean or anything. The other one is, as from next Sunday, 6th of December, my goodness. Over the school holidays at Children's Church, our world changes won't be operating. Uh, we will have uh, packs for the kids to, to do in church over that period. But our younger ones, our little praises and our God's champions, so that's our two to three-year-olds, will still be operating through the Christmas period. The reason for that comes back to COVID and room and all that sort of stuff. So we've gone with that just so you're aware of all that. Okay. Um, as I'm sure most of you would know, uh, or if you haven't known, we've been doing a little series, Pastor James, the last two or three weeks, on unmovable boundaries. And our, our uh, scripture is Proverbs 22:28. Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. So we know when Israel began to settle in their land, the tribes, the groups, the family would all get a pot of land and they'd use stone markers to show where they are and, and you were not to move those markers. But we're looking, I guess, more at godly principles or that we need in our lives that are unmovable. That we can't, uh, you know, they've got to be in our Christian walk. And I was, re I was coming this morning and I heard uh, on uh, Fresh FM a story which uh, most of the rugby union uh, followers in Australia won't really want to hear. But back in... I'm not sure what the year, a few years ago in a World Series uh, of Rugby Union, uh, Australia playing England and with only a few seconds to go, uh, the, the scores were locked in extra time. The ball was thrown to a rotten Englishman called Johnny Wilkinson who under great pressure from the Wallabies on his wrong foot did a drop kick through the post and the flipping Poms won the world championship. The most hated man in Australia for rugby union. But there's, so what's that got to do with unmovable things? Johnny Wilkinson had been kicking a football, practising shots at goal since he was 13. I'm thinking, if I remember, I'm thinking he would have been probably late 20s at least, I think. I may be wrong, but I'm giving it about at least a 10-year. And he had the same coach all that time. That's pretty remarkable. So it wasn't just a, 
fluke that Johnny was able to, under pressure, stick that ball through the, through the uh, goalpost. It was an unmovable object. He had practised and practised and practised. So when the time came, the pressure was on, he was right. So, my unmovable boundary. Galatians 6.10 Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, you're not going to find that in any of the great Christian creeds like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. You're not even going to find it in the ACC's Doctrine of Faith. I'm pretty sure you probably won't find that in any Christian organisation's Doctrine of Faith. But my little brain finds that quite interesting because a lot of Jesus' teaching, those words in red in our Bible is exactly about that. And yet it doesn't make it into the, the main books. A lot of his teaching is about helping and interacting with others. The two greatest commandments, Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. We've heard all the passages and all the stories and all the sermons about that. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbour. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. Isn't that slightly significant? Ben, yeah. I find that quite good man, yeah. He's better than I thought. The Beatitudes. Jesus' most famous uh, sermon, for want of a word. It's all about interacting with each other. How I interact with you. How I respond with what you do to me, good or bad. How I, how I react. It's all about that. Doing something for others is also one of the very few things where Jesus actually honours somebody. Matthew 26, the anointing at Bethany. I'm sure many of us will remember the story. Jesus has been invited to a, a, a dinner and they're all lounging around as they do. And this lady comes in and anoints Jesus' feet with a very expensive uh, oil or perfume. And... Uh, some of the disciples or some of the people there said, what's this woman doing wasting that it was very expensive? It could be used for the poor. And Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. How many people have that after their story in the Bible? I think one hand would probably be nearly too much. And yet all she did was wash his feet or anoint his feet with oil. Compare this to Luke chapter 10, where Jesus has sent out the 72 disciples. He tells them to go out, he gives them instructions, and uh, 
So they, they come back and they come back for the, you know, what, you know the, the meeting you have after you've done something and they're all standing around and, you know, high-fiving and chest-pumping and getting all, you know, we've, you know, we've, you know, the demons scattering from us and we're doing all this great stuff and, you know, Jesus walks in and goes, hey, guy, okay, settle, guys, settle, that, that, that's in his... Basically, he said, yeah, that's good. We don't get excited about that. What does he say? Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subjects to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. A lady simply washed, anoints Jesus' feet. You will be honoured wherever this book, wherever this gospel goes. Hey, you guys with all the supernatural gifts, yeah, that's all right, but just ease it up and just be grateful your name's written in heaven. That tells me that what the woman did is possibly more significant than what Pentecostals do. Maybe not so much what we do, is what we put our emphasis on. In uh, Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23, where am I? Oh, we'll get in the right chapter, that'll do. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Wow. That's pretty uh, in your face, isn't it? Matthew 25, 31 to 46, it's about the, uh, when the Son of Man judges the nation. I think many of us would know it, the, you know, the separate the sheep from the goats and, and this type of thing. And uh, then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and, you go and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you have did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he goes on to talking to those who thought they had a ticket and were right to go, and they hadn't done that. You know, I, I can't find anywhere in the scriptures where Jesus teaches on supernatural gifts. Now, before you all decide to stone me outside the city gates, I'm staying in town today, so you're not going to have a chance, all right? But does that mean we, we shouldn't do that? Of course not. 
There's plenty of other teaching in the Bible about it. Jesus did it. He just didn't, he just didn't teach about it. He did it all the time, wasn't he? Whenever they came for healing, all were healed. He cast out demons. He prophesied. He was a prophet. He's the son of God. So it's interesting that um, he doesn't, doesn't that tell us there's something pretty significant about loving one another, serving one another and helping one another? Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. John 12, 26 says, If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my Father will honour. How do we serve Christ? Refer to Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I have a theory, well, it's actually a belief, that when we help others, God is pleased. It's a little soft spot that excites him. I don't know about you, but I've got a sweet tooth. You give me anything sweet, I'm happy. Chocolates, you know, the whole pavlovas, all those things. But if you give me a Ferrero Rocher, all these other things, that you give me that, you touch my little soft spot. Doesn't mean I'll do anything for you, but you've touched my soft spot. I think God's different. He might do something for you. See, the thing is, when we help someone, more often than not, we don't know what's going on. I mean, we might have some of the picture, most of the picture. And I'm sure we've all done it. We've just done something very trivial to someone and they just explode with thanks. And you sort of go, what? <laughs> you know, that really wasn't much. And, uh, and I guess we've all had the same, that you've been having a, a sort of day or a week, a month, a year or something, and someone just does something and snap. You're better. You just feel revitalised. So, um, where was I? So I want to give two examples from a couple of years ago to sort of clarify from my experience what I'm actually talking about. One was where I didn't think I really did much, but the overwhelming response was sort of a bit overwhelming. And uh, where uh, someone who was just doing what they do significantly changed my day. Okay, we're going to start at the beginning, just so you know, it's one of those movies. Then we're going to jump to the end, and then we're going to come back to somewhere sort of in the middle, okay? You're right with that, because Sandy gets a bit lost on those movies, so you're right, you're good. We're at the beginning now, okay? So, in I think about late, some of the time frame might, because it was a real long time ago, it was 2014. Um, bumped in, Sandy and I bumped into a couple in a, at out at Kirkwood, I think it was, Woolies, and we'd bump into them occasionally, we sort of, sort of knew them a bit, and we'd always have a chat when we did, and, and neither of them were well, they both had 
physical problems. And uh, their names were Stanley and Pretty. Many of you possibly don't know Stanley, but I think most of you will probably know Pretty, who is attending our church here and sings. So a week or so later, I get an email from a pastor in Eastbourne, England. Unusual. And he said he knows uh, you know, Stanley and Pretty and they're really doing it tough. Could someone you know, from the church go and see, you know, visit them? So they live close to us. There's about a kilometre around the corner. No, too easy. Uh, Sandy reminded me that we did some meals or something and uh, stuff like that for them. No, nothing, nothing great. And uh, so we sort of kept in touch and Stanley was waiting to find some results from the tests that he had had for what, why he was like he was. And in early February, uh, I think it was about February 2015, early 15, Stanley was diagnosed with motor neurons disease. I don't know whether you know much about it, but it's a hideous disease. It just shuts your body down and you finally... So he was with the strain, there's different strains of it because some people last for quite some years. Uh, his particular strain was 18 months to two years is the general rule of thumb for, for lasting there. So it was a bit of a, uh, not, a not something you want to hear. So there started regular visits to uh, visit Stanley uh, and uh, just you know, going around chatting, reading the Bible together, praying and things like that until he, uh, in uh, May of 2016 he passed away. Okay, we're fast forwarding to 2017. We're with me? Oh, good. We uh, had the opportunity to go to, um, oh, during this time there was a couple from the church that they were in in Eastbourne who'd come out uh, and so we got to know them. And you, you, know, you ever have people you meet and you're instantly good friends? Yeah, a few of us have. It's a great experience. You should try it. <laughs> but these guys, um, they were Hewitts, so they'd have to be nice, wouldn't they? So uh, we said, well, one of the things we have to do is uh, visit um, Nigel and Ellen and go to the church there that Stanley and Pretty were a part of. That's, we wanted to do that, so we did that. I think we turned up on a Friday or something like that, Thursday, Friday, whatever. Then on the Saturday, um, they took us to out to uh, morning tea and to meet an older couple from the church. And we we get there and uh, we spot them. And the guy, I can't remember, what, you remember him? It doesn't really matter what his name is. And he comes out, oh, great to finally meet you. We're so, so glad to meet you. Thank you for so much that you've done for them. We're so, and I'm going... Have you got the right bloke? Okay, well, that's, that's nice. Good. <laughs> and uh, after half an hour of all that, well, slight exaggeration, we, we got on with there having coffee and something to eat. The next day at church, it was kind of similar. People who knew Stanley and Pretty, oh, it's so nice to meet you. I'm glad you... And I go, what the heck's going on here? You know, all, all I did was visit. And then we, that night we had supper with the, some of the church leaders and again it was, and uh, I'm kind of uh, thinking, you know, really, I only visited him a few times. 
you know, over that 18-month period, there was times when we were away and there were times, especially near the end of Stanley's life, where he was, I'd get a text in the morning that Stanley's not up to, you know, having visitors. So it wasn't every week. It was sort of a bit haphazard. And, and that's all I did. And mow that rotten yard of theirs. Fair dinkum. That was more effort. That was a shocker. Anyone know their house where they used to live on? No, yeah, yeah, none of you mowed the lawn, did you? Yeah. Oh, oh Peter, good on you, Pete. Yeah, it was terrible, wasn't it? Yes. And and there were lots of others that helped out. You know, it wasn't just me. I, I was a bit taken aback. I was actually sort of embarrassed about you know kind of the hero status, and I'm thinking well, I didn't really do much. And it was only recently, while I was thinking about this during one of James's sermons, that I. Uh, Oh, you missed that, didn't you? I thought I would have got a laugh out of that or <gasps> something. Anyway, maybe the, maybe the next crew will do it then. Yeah. But I didn't understand how much it meant to those people on the other side of the world. Because they, they, they couldn't, you know, if, if it happened over there, they could have been all doing what we did. And so it was, uh, it was, you know, it was a distressing time for them to just sort of be so far apart and knowing it was happening because they were very much a part of that church. I think I'm pretty sure they were on the pastoral team and things like that. It, was a very, it wasn't a really big church, so they were a very close family together. And I, I guess to see um, someone who represented everyone who had helped was just so you know, sort of overwhelming for them. Uh, yeah. So that's that side of the coin. So we'll flip to the other side of the coin, back to somewhere around well, maybe late 2015, maybe early 2016. I can't really remember. Where someone doing just what they do as a job helped me. As I said, M uh, motor neurone's disease is a hideous disease that closes your body down. It just everything, your organs, your your, your muscles, your speech and the whole thing, it just all collapses until you finally pass away. And I was uh, visiting Stan and he, his voice had deteriorated to just a whisper. And the amount of energy it took Stan to just say a sentence in a whisper was, was just you know, enormous. And with his whisper and my hearing, it wasn't a real good combination. And I felt so bad... I don't know. If I don't say thank you to you sometimes and you think I should, it's because I use my lifetime supply of saying thank you to some... Um, not thank you, um, I'm sorry. The amount of times I had to say that because I knew the effort that it took Stanley to just whisper a sentence and I'd have to ask him to say it again. So he was at this point and uh, I think it was sort of one of the first days he was sort of like that and it so I, I did my visit and I got into the car and just sat there for a minute and like the gravity of the situation you know here's this big strong he was an African guy so he's a bit taller than me and muscly and lovely character and he's done so God has used him amazingly and you know he, he did he was you know, one of the the only guy I've ever met that never prepared sermons and he could speak for 45 minutes. He would just get up in front of the music team and 
if there was nothing there, he'd tell him to do another song. <laughs> and stories from him and, and Freddie and the, and the people in Eastbourne, you know, here's a man that God is using. We don't know why, do we? Had a young family. He passed away just before he was 50. Two teenage kids. And uh, I think it just got to me. And I was just so heavy sitting in the car. I thought, I'm just going to go and grab a coffee from Macca's on the way through and go back and sit in my office and be miserable for the afternoon. So that's what I decided to do. As I started to drive away, people get voices in their heads or is it only me? Oh, I know you do, Ted. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Penny's. Now, some of you may not know that uh, young Penny Dewhurst used to have one of those coffee cart things outside Coles Kmart. And I'm not going to Penny's. I'm going Kirkwood Road, Macca's, Dixon Drive, back to church. Go to Penny's. No, I just want to get a coffee and go back to church and be miserable. A little bit further. Go to Penny's. No, I'm not going to Penny's. It's out of the way. I was about to pull into Macca's. Go to Penny's. All right, I'll go to Penny's. You know it's out of the way. I've got to go way over that side of town now. Mind you, at the first go to Penny's, it wouldn't have made any difference. So I go to Penny's. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to get a coffee, go back to church and be miserable. Well, that wasn't going to happen. Who knows Penny? You know that wasn't going to happen, was it? So I get there. Hi, Pastor Mel. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Thanks, Penny. If she was here, I'd have to officially um, ask for forgiveness for lying to her. I was miserable. So Penny in her lovely outward sort of friendly, lovely person she is. Chatter, 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 chatter. Get my coffee, more chat. Go back to my car. I sat in my car and I was about to drive off and I thought, it's gone. The heaviness had totally lifted. The seriousness of the situation is still there, but the heaviness had lifted. Penny was totally unaware of what just happened. I didn't get to tell her to a few months later and she didn't even remember me being there. I'll make an impression, I suppose, yeah. But just by being welcoming and friendly and making me a cup of coffee and a bit of chatter lifted that whole heaviness. You don't have to have unlimited resources to do good. Just use what you have. God has it covered. I'm sure most of us have heard of, in John 6 about the feeding of the 5,000. And I think all the theologians pretty well agree that, that they say it was 5,000 men, so there could have been up to 20,000 people at this, at this place where Jesus was... Uh, was, was um, well, Jesus had gone there actually to have a rest, <laughs> but that didn't work. So he, said to one, he says to one of the um, disciples, to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? <laughs> Come on, Jesus, you're kidding. You know how much that's going to cost? How are we going to feed this, this many? There's a lad here. 
with five barley loaves and two small fish. Now, I must admit, it doesn't say whether he offered or they took, but he gave. I will use that word. Imagine when he got home. He'd been to the shops, got the, got the loaves, got the fish, and he said, where are they, Mum says. Oh, I gave them to a group of blokes who were going to feed 20,000 people. You what? You're a naughty boy. So he's offered, he's given five barley loaves and two small fish. There's possibly 20,000 people and they, were, they were all had what they wanted. Actually, this guy, Stephen Gurr, that had his problem with Siri, I just watched on uh, this feeding the 5,000. As I said, he's a Messianic Jew. And if you want to, that's a, that's a great sermon. If you want to Google it on YouTube, it's, um, I think it's Stephen, Stephen with a V, G-E-R, Gurr, Gospel of John Part 20 or 21, I think. And that was, yeah, that, anyway, I'll throw that in. So everyone had what they wanted and they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Imagine mum when he comes home with 12 baskets of bread. Neither the boy nor the disciples could see what God sees. John 6, 6 says, But this he said to test him, him being Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. God knows and sees what people need and uses us to provide it. I couldn't see how much a few semi-visits would affect people the other side of the globe so much. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Penny didn't see what God was going to do one cup of coffee Mark 9 41 says for whoever gives you a medium flat white with no sugar to drink in my name because you belong to Christ assuredly I say to you he will by no means lose his reward we couldn't have that one up because we haven't got my version on the computer but it's so true isn't it we don't know There's a reason why I shared this message this morning. A couple of months ago I was wandering around here praying as I, as I do and the, the story, the whole Stanley story and the, the penny thing were just going over and over in my head and I'm trying to pray and I'm sort of, got to get this out of my head. And I said, what is it with this in my head? And here's those voices again. I want you to tell the church. Well, I've told you. So I figure there's probably two types of people here this morning. There's probably those who are forever doing stuff and possibly not getting a great lot of recognition. Or be assured your recognition is coming. Don't worry about it on this earth. And don't stop doing good. And I think the other group might be those who, well, I, I haven't really got, you know, what it takes. I'm, I'm, 
I'm too this or I'm too that. You know, I'm not educated. I'm too old. I'm too young. I, or whatever. Oh, I don't have what you know you've got. No, you may, maybe you don't, but you've got something that God has given you to touch other people. Don't wait till you have the tools. Serve Christ and help others with whatever you've got. Someone by the name of Trap said this, Of Midas it is fabled that whatever he touched turned into gold. Sure it is that whatsoever the hand of charity touch, be it a cup of cold water, it turns the same, not into gold, but into heaven itself. Let's stand together.